What's up, everybody, and welcome to Look Who's Talking Mao. I am your host, Chris Mowry, and joining me today is my friend Ryan Davis, a.k.a. Kadesh Flow. He's a trombonist, MC, and producer. What's up, man? How are you? What's up, What's up Chris? <laughs> What's up, Kadesh? <laughs> man, uh, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Um, now, I've, I've uh, known you for, I want to say, a couple or, or a few years now. Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, mostly from when you... Um, when we have the Marcus Lewis big man down here at Record Bar, that's actually where we are right now. If it sounds a little roomy, it's because yeah. we're in a big open space. <laughs> it's a little weird. Uh, but tell everybody a bit about um, Marcus Lewis big band and what you guys have been up to. Yeah, Marcus called me, I'd say almost two years ago at this point, because he was looking for a rapper who was capable of covering Kendrick Lamar's All Right effectively and adequately, I guess. And it's kind of out of the blue because I would wanted to meet him for a couple of years. And how did you, and Marcus moved here from Atlanta, right? Yeah, I believe he moved here from Atlanta, but he had gone to grad school at uh, University of Nebraska, Omaha, where he had met his wife. And and so when they were looking, she wanted to get closer to her family in Omaha. And this was the closest, you know, bigger city to Omaha. So he moved back over here while he was still playing for Janelle Monae. Um, So what happened with us is this, this collaboration went well, covering Kendrick's All Right. And he started listening to my music, and there was one night where we were at the Blue Room. We did a cover of we did a cover of All Right as part of the Marcus Lewis Big Band set. Kevin the Phantom was there, and Marcus was like, "Yeah, man, I've actually uh, been listening to your music. I'd really like to arrange some of it." And Kemet Kemet kind of snuck in the convo, and, and Marcus looked at <laughs> Kemet and he said, "I've actually been listening to your music too." And uh, I I think it would be cool to arrange some stuff with you guys, and uh, that's kind of how. The, what we ended up calling brass and bougie got started yeah and that's um basically uh what's the pieces differ right it's not always a certain but it's a big jazz band uh with two mcs um it's fantastic if you haven't seen it you gotta you gotta catch it i think we have you guys coming up here with uh anymore and anymore. we the people yeah in march yep march 21st i think march 21st there's a plug we're gonna have a lot of those i have a feeling yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so speaking of plugs, uh, you also just had a solo album drop called Otaku Moods. Uh, talk to me about that project a little bit. Yeah, Otaku Moods is the title comes from the fact that the project's a little all over the place, and it's a lot. Of, it's a wide range of emotions. There's triumph. There's um, excitement. There's stress from a relationship, and also from ambition. There's the feelings of being at a party, getting slammed, and knowing that you should be working, and feeling competitive because somebody out there is working when you're partying, mm-hmm. and a lot of that. But it's also from the vantage point of somebody who's a massive nerd, and. Um, <laughs> Um, it actually is part of a trilogy that I'm not going to build as a trilogy until it's all done, but it's called Flashbacks and Come-Ups. Cool. And I started writing it in mid-2015, basically. Two th- I had two big realizations. There was one that my um, friend at the time who I dated through most of college, on and off for like six years, and I, we, were either, we were in this purgatory space, and we were either going to have to stop talking or get back together. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the purgatory thing never works yeah, in a situation like that. Um, the other piece of that at the same time, which led to the first realization was that, um, I could actually be a nationally recognized touring artist, if not a global, uh, phenomenon, you know, I could either be, I could go anywhere from being able to tour and do well touring and, and make, you know, a decent living to being a, a superstar. And, um, I realized that as a Cerner associate, 
using all my vacation to go play these conventions and um suddenly you know i'll be at these conventions i just played fan expo dallas's official after party and then um i started writing after the conversation i had with my ex and i wrote hundreds of songs because that was such a conflict piece mm-hmm. otaku moods is basically songs that i know are dope but they don't fit the primary narrative of a project that i'm going to release in july called the last excuse Oh, cool. Okay, so what, is, what does otaku stand for? Otaku basically means, and this might not be the textbook quote-unquote definition, but it basically is somebody who's a geek or a nerd um, who is specifically interested in Japanese culture uh, to a geek, and nerd, a geek or nerd extent to the point where it's of uh, detriment to their social status. <laughs> um, and a lot, of, a lot of nerdy MCs have taken that term and flipped it on its head because... Yeah. Uh, people think we're cool because we're rapping about this nerdy stuff that a lot of a lot of us, not necessarily myself, but a lot of people got bullied over um, growing up in certain communities and whatnot. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I kind of wanted to ask you about. We'll, but we'll get we'll get there. I want to ask you about your your uh, musical career a little bit. When did you start playing trombone? I was 11. Uh, I also started rapping when I was 11. So oh, same time. Yeah, two weeks apart. Actually, oh, wow. yeah, I started beginning band, started playing trombone. I chose trombone. Both of my, both of these things that I'm, I'm building a career out of actually started off of really immature premises, actually. So I, I wanted to play the trombone because we were in fifth grade recorder class, and the band director was, you know, recruiting for her band, and mm-hmm. she played all the instruments. And the trombone sounded like fart noises the way she played it. And I was <laughs> like, I want to make fart noises. Who doesn't? And I chose trombone literally for that reason (laughs) (laughs) now did jazz immediately grab you or did is that something like took a while for to get in there with like you playing trombone was it was it like oh i'm interested in this type of music or were you just like playing like whatever trombone songs you know like band like school band stuff and then like as you got older you eventually got into the jazz jazz is the reason i stayed on trombone so when i was in sixth grade and this happened a while for a while but i really it really grabbed me in sixth grade the high school band daphne high school came and and played at the middle school and it was a brilliant thing the band and was this this is in alabama this is in the southern part of alabama mobile area so i went to spanish fort uh, spanish fort schools at the time spanish fort and daphne both fed into daphne high school um the band program at daphne high school at the time was really good and the band director had a lot of good like military band connections and whatnot he he had and he's a very good trombone player. The jazz ensemble was like one of the best ones in the state. And um, they came and played and there was a monster trombone player during that time when I was in sixth and seventh, sixth grade through eighth grade, um, who graduated the, I think when I was in eighth grade and I wanted to be able to be better than him by the time that um, I was in high, I was a senior in high school. And that's when I really started like really trying to listen to the jazz it was all competitive initially but I, then i fell in love with it yeah and so okay 11 to me seems pretty early to to start rapping do you have a so i i did ask i did have this question written down when did you start to rhyme but what was your earliest hip-hop memory that like you just remember either a hip-hop song playing or something that like oh i'm that i want to do that um that actually is much later as far as strong ones. So the, the one that I'd say that's the biggest one personally is the first show I did, the first time I performed a rap like seriously was at a uh, church youth group 
uh, talent show sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I ran out of breath after the second verse, and I got real tired because I had no breath control, didn't know how to perform. And I was so mad because the song was was kind of good. As far as what the first thing that really grabbed me, it was listening to Renegade by Jay Z, Jay Z and Eminem, and how ridiculous because I was like an English buff and just how ridiculous those verses were and I wasn't allowed to listen to hip hop so I was like sneaking and listening to this stuff <laughs> and you were listening to Renegade by Jay-Z and Eminem yeah yeah that would <laughs> yeah if you got caught with that one you'd probably get in trouble <laughs> yeah. um, so talk to me a little bit about is this is something that has always interested me the correlations of jazz and hip hop because I'm, I've always gravitated towards the jazzier beats or that are using jazz samples um, and I remember I was watching this interview, I think it's most deaf and most deaf's talking about it's a, he's being interviewed about MF doom and he's saying something about like, we listen to the same stuff growing up. We listen to, and then he starts, starts rattling off all these jazz albums that I had never listened to. And then it made me seek those out. Yeah. So it was like, it was, um, hold on. I wrote them down cause I knew I'd forget them. It was like, oh yeah, it was love Supreme. My favorite Charles Mingus, black Saint and the center lady and uh, like Miles Davis and stuff. And I just thought it was interesting how uh, how it just seemed to correlate. People that like like jazz started making hip hop beats with those samples in it and, and all that. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think at its base, to bottom line, and I think both. I think jazz. I mean, sorry. Let me re, let me start over. Yeah. I think hip hop is a an offspring of jazz and jazz culture in the sense that <laughs> jazz in a, in a lot of ways is a is a form of protest music yeah and it's deeply rooted in the struggles of whoever's writing it historically um hip-hop's definitely an offshoot of that and what's cool right now is seeing like the the child go back to the parent i think hip-hop in, a, in some senses is kind of a prodigal son of jazz mm-hmm. um and I mean, there are a lot of other comparisons and correlations you can make. You can talk about freestyling versus improvisation. You could talk right. about cadence variations versus rhythmic variations and, and a bunch of things. But I think uh, primarily that's at its root, the, the bottom line of it. That really resonated with me because I started doing both at the same time. And for a while, I didn't want to be a rapper because everybody rapped. And I, I wanted At 11? To, uh, yeah. <laughs> And like I didn't want to be, I didn't take rap seriously until I was like twenty. Um, I, I I didn't take myself lyrically seriously until I was like twenty, and I didn't take myself seriously as an artist until I was about to turn twenty-four. Um, so all this time I was rapping, I was doing freestyle sessions. That was fun, but like everybody raps, and I think that's a, a cool thing about the culture. At at that point in time, I didn't value it that way. Also, that was like big southern braggadocious raps heyday when I was like in my teens and I didn't see myself Dirty doing South that stuff. Yeah. Which I appreciated, but that wasn't me. I didn't really, really, really see myself doing anything hip hop wise until I heard the touch the sky verse from Lupe. Um, and I was already on Kanye cause he was making it cool to be like middle class and in rap. Yeah. But then Lupe comes in with a loop in the third punch line yeah. off the jump. And I was like, yo, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Those cultures are so close to me now, and I think people recognizing it is very dope. Jazz, like jazz, has always been sampled by hip hop, yeah. And it's really cool that now that a lot of us now it's more common for us to have that music education, whereas it was the people who were sampling the jazz just didn't have access to the music education, so I cut the samples. Yeah, um, it's really beautiful to see both of those being options now in the music world. Yeah, and I I thought it was fascinating too what you brought up about cadence because there'll be. Uh, rappers I listen to that I'm like 
he's not really saying anything lyrically that I'm blown away by, but the way that he's delivering it is awesome. You know, you know, like a, like a, uh, Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib, their new yeah, thing yeah. just came out. And Freddie never says anything that's really that poignant because he's a gangster rapper. But he just, the way he he fires it off is like, special, especially with, with Mad Lib beats underneath, it's just like a, he just has a talent for, for, for uh, the cadence of it. Yeah. So you said some things in there. You said Lupe. Mm-hmm. I need your top five MCs. Oh. Not not all time. Like it doesn't have to be like based off what they did to you. Who are your top five favorites? To me, um, top five is hard, man, because it it could change daily. But I'd yes. probably say, um, in no particular order, uh, Jay Nas, um, M, Eminem. But- you you still you're still. So here's the thing. Here's the thing for me is I like I super respect. Uh, Eminem when he when he came up because that was what made him special it was like weird and and against everything mm-hmm. sort of and then for the past like few years it just seems like he's just doing you know just commercial stuff it seems like to me anyway I listened to a little bit of Kamikaze but I wasn't really blown away by it yeah he's been struggling man um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like he's trying too hard and I really like how how Jay-Z evolved with his age and his, and his status, right? And he makes it work. Like, Well, see, I think he also realized, like, because he, he was doing gangster rap for a long time, but then I feel like he, like, saw that, oh, shit, you can actually make money off of being conscious? That's crazy. Yeah. Boom, and then he fucking, um, what, was that, what was that song? No, I can't think of it. The huge, uh, with the animation, the black and white animation. I can't think of the name of the song. I can't yet. think of the name of the song either. Jesus Christ. That's gonna that's gonna fucking kill me that I can't um, remember that. Uh, the, is it the uh, the one with Frank Ocean on it? No, it's um, the uh, God damn it! I'm thinking of a different song anyway. But that's true though. I do think that M's M's falling. You know, I think yeah. just the level of ridiculousness that he had during during like that three to four album run is still standing. But it's very my, it's very close to I think Kendrick pushing him out. And it being like a Jay Nas Kendrick Pac Big sort of thing. It's a story uh, of OJ. Yeah, story of OJ. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yep. I don't know. Why I could remember the. Fuck. But um, that was like that was like he kind of like to me he just realized oh shit. You can do this and still you know make make money off of it. It's you don't have to be you know you can actually say something and still get your point across. Yeah, and I think he's on his wave. He doesn't need to be like trying to sell anything now. He's going to no. sell stuff. I yeah. would say like Kendrick sitting at number 6 for me right now. Um mostly because I just want to see if he could be consistent. Thus far, I think he's had the most consistent run. He's of of like like albums and albums that are classics of like any rapper maybe ever. If you count section 8 too, he's had 4. 4. Yes, in a row. like <laughs> phenom- four <laughs> yeah. phenomenal albums yeah. in a row, and then curating cu- curating the Black Panther joint. So, like, yeah. if he keeps that going, oh yeah, yeah, if he keeps that going, it's kind of I think it's kind of a wrap. But right now, I still have him in the top five as far as that goes. There's like a lot of people who creep in and out. Uh, top ten's easier because then I can throw in like Rakim and um, yeah, Andre three thousand and uh, Andre. So I was like, I was like trying to write mine down and I stopped at five and five was just like a, like eight people. I don't know. But my, my, my top were, 
Uh, MF Doom, number one. Two, Kendrick Lamar. Three, Black Thought. Four, Kanye. Five, a bunch of people. I think if if, uh, you talk pure rap and not like... If you talk like rap ability and dopeness as an MC um, versus like total, total package... My list will be different, and Black yeah. Thought might be number one. <laughs> yeah, because rid- every he's time just, he raps, you're just like, Jesus Christ, it's just, he's what just is ridiculous. happening? Yeah. And he runs everybody off the track ever, yeah. um, and he's still in my top ten, and, yeah. I, and I, I have Lupe in my top ten. I think it, I think it's routed out by, like, Tech 9 So, and, so Lupe, to me, is interesting, too, because he kind of he, – he did the thing where he did – he did two really great albums. Then was that Lasers after that? Was this third album? Yeah, was Lasers. It the one that he hated? Where he, where he had the fight with Atlantic. They yeah. took nothing on you from him and gave it to B.O.B. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he was suicidal over that. Yeah. yeah. But then he the album after that, though. Uh, Food of Liquor 2. Oh, was that? Yeah. Or was that? I thought that was the one with Mural on it. No, that was after Food of Liquor 2. Okay. That, Tetsuo and Youth yeah. is, I think, one of the most underrated albums to come out Absolute, in like the last 10 years. Mural is the most, Mural specifically, which is just, I think, like eight to nine minutes of just bars, mm-hmm. is just so impressive that I still can't believe that people don't know what it is. Like, there was a guy, I remember this Uber driver was, like, driving me back, and we were talking one night, and he was like, He's like, yeah, my favorite rapper is probably Lupe. And I'm like, oh, have you heard Mural? And he's like, no. And I was like, hold on. Can I have that Oxford really? <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, it's so impressive. I still have it. I'm still, like, decoding it. Uh, and then Adoration of the Mag- Magi from that, that record, too, yeah. is, is just the third verse is outrageous. The whole concept's outrageous. It's all, like, classic album references of people. Most of them are dead. Like, I mean – um, the Sega Genesis versus Book of Genesis punchline with the yep. double dragon reference that links yeah. back in. It's just, he's wild, man. Uh, I think he's kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit and gotten himself blackballed in some instances. He but. talks a lot on the <laughs> internet. But I remember when, like, Azealia Banks was going at him, I'm like, I don't even know who Azealia Banks is, so I'm not really that worried about whatever that is. Because <laughs> like, I remember it was this huge thing on, like, on the internet, I was like, "What the hell? Who is who are they? Who's he fighting with? I have no idea who this is." People don't know who she is until she gets mad at somebody. Yes, like, which is very <laughs> a very unfortunate. I've heard that she's she's all right, but she had some when she came out. She had some dope stuff, and then she just like went on a I don't know I don't know what happened. <laughs> so so you produce as well. Yes. So now I have the same question, but producers. Ah oh, man, that's tough. I really really love. Um, so I, when I think about these things, I always think total package and not necessarily raw talent. Yep. Um, but I'd put Kanye at number one. I like when I was putting this list together, I was like, I feel like I don't. Yeah, I, I'm going to mark mine off and put Kanye in there. OK, <laughs> yeah, keep going. I'd say Kanye, uh, Dr. Dre, Just Blaze, Just um, uh, Swiss Beats. And then number five right now in my head would be a tie probably between Illmind and Timbaland. I'm not sure who I'd – it would probably depend now, on the who, day. Okay, yeah, Timbaland. I, so the only thing about Timbaland is like a lot of his songs end up sounding sort of similar. Yeah. Who would I – what would I know Illmind from? Dude. That sounds super – like I feel like people have always said like Illmind, Illmind. I'm blanking right yeah. now and I'm so <laughs> annoyed at myself. Uh, gosh, I'm just going to – Look real quick. I'm pretty sure now that the what I'm thinking of it's from is from like a Quasimodo record, but I don't know if if they had ever crossed paths before. I mean, he's I feel got like he said Illmind music is in the house. He's got Grammys, um, like just I don't know why I'm blanking on this dude right now. 
I should um, have I should have given you questions beforehand so you could be prepared instead of just jumping in. But we've this all moved around today, so we've had a, a lot of like I had to write all these questions today because everything changed. Oh, you're good. Yesterday, <laughs> you're good. I mean, he um he's done. He's like I think the newest one of those. He's done stuff for like J Cole and okay and um Drake and but he, I how think, do you feel how do you feel about J Cole? Um, I I think J Cole's awesome. I do. Th- I think he's one of those guys that he's like, if Kendrick's Jordan, then J Cole's like Charles Barkley. Um, okay. Uh, he's. I'll take that. Never won a championship. Yeah, really good. Um, <laughs> a little bit, just slightly like, I'd say in some in some respects. I mean, I think they're equally skilled as MCs. It's just when J Cole does solo stuff, I think he he gets like too locked into his concepts to the mm-hmm. point to where like it's like beating a dead horse but you really but when on his when on his feature verses man it's like he's just like destroying these tracks yeah i remember so before his like latest album came out he released two singles one was called false prophets mm-hmm. uh which was the um joy badass beat but he was like rapping about kanye west and it was like obvious and it was like oh shit <laughs> like he yeah just, like yeah it was like incredible but then like i listened to the album and i really wasn't Nothing grabbed me, but this random single that he put out beforehand that wasn't on the album at all. Something about J. Cole for me just doesn't quite click. Like there's like two or three songs that I'm like, yeah, that'll be in like my rotation. But yeah, he's just, I think a lot of people think he's boring. I don't, I don't feel that way, but I understand why people feel that way because he's really, it's not that he's not rapping is, I mean, he's really rapping, but he sounds like it's like the easiest thing in the world, even though he's he's doing these ridiculously technical technical things. And then on top of that, I think he probably sh- should get out of his own head yeah. some on his albums. Um, but um, Illmind's done a, a lot of. Th- I think what really impressed me about Illmind is going because he's heavy on like Drake stuff and J Cole stuff mm-hmm. and whatnot. He did. There's a Christian rapper named Andy Minio that Lecrae signed to Reach Records, and um, Andy Minio Lecrae's kind of like this too. But Andy Mineo really isn't worried about being a Christian rapper. You know, he's a Christian. He raps. A lot of his messages lean towards Jesus. But he got criticized because all of his stuff does it. Sometimes he's just talking. He's just yeah. rapping. And he's yeah. got bars and he's dope. And Illmind executive produced um, his last really big solo album. And it was fire. And, Crazy. like, the fact that he had that, that like, versatility to jump in there and still do that was cool. What was what was that name? Uh, Andy Mineo. How do you do you know how to spell that? M I N E O. And the album. What is the album called? I forget what it's called. Um, I'll check that out. Because uh, I was what was what I was thinking about too is when you were started talking about Christian rappers, is um, Mick Jenkins. Yeah. So Mick Jenkins isn't considered a Christian rapper, but the healing component is all about Jesus. Like yeah. that's the entire album is yeah. about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and I love that album, and I don't. I'm not. I don't. You know, I grew up in in a Greek Orthodox church, but I don't consider myself a Christian or anything like that anymore. But that album's incredible, and is the beats and the and his you know process of writing is very very good. I wouldn't hear anybody go, oh yeah, Mick Jenkins is a Christian rapper. It's because they swear. Oh, it's because he cusses and Literally. he smokes weed and all that. Yeah, that's and that that's what keeps. Um, something like Damn and something like Coloring Book from actually being considered Christian rap albums um, because they're they're not worried about being like legalistically holy or whatever. Yeah. Um, they're, but they're still talking about their spirituality a lot. The Andy Mini album is called Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Um, it's pretty, it's pretty dope. Uh, the other, I guess, on the producer standpoint, that I definitely want to make sure I pay homage to, even though I wouldn't necessarily put them in my top five. Uh, definitely, the RZA. If you go back and listen to Thirty Six Chambers, you hear the structure of like literally everything that happens in modern hip hop now. Yep, being outlines from a skeleton standpoint on that album, and uh, Battle Cat with all the West Coast stuff. He's heavy. Soundwave, who's like the in-house guy for TDE. Uh, there are a bunch of guys. It's kind of hard. There's so many dope producers. I didn't it's even think hard. about now that I'm like looking at my list. I didn't even think about knowledge. Knowledge is Not, yeah. amazing. But yeah, my my list. I had DJ Premier number one mm-hmm. for being that like technical old school style with scratches and everything. Yeah. But just like everything like hits so hard. And then I had Mad Lib Doom because he produced pretty much all of his own stuff. Kanye and RZA. But yeah, then when I was, we were also talking about this and you were talking about, uh, you said J. Cole being just laid back and it sounds effortless. That's how I feel about Blue. Like Blue's one of my favorite rappers ever. I, he probably would be in my top five. <laughs> uh, just because he just like says just crazy ill shit that he doesn't like emphasize the punchline. He just goes and you just have to pick it up yourself. Blue is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Having uh there was a they came through Kansas City actually, Mickey Fax. Mickey Fax and Blue with Matt to, Hoffa. <laughs> I was trying to get I was trying to get Fax here for a while, but Yeah. Yeah, Blue's Blue's dope, man. Did you go to that show? Yeah, yeah, I went. Was it good? It was solid. I it was just it was one of the first nights it was actually cold and I think it really messed with turnout. Well, I mean the one time I saw Blue, he was three hours late. It was supposed to be blue and M E D. Uh wow. M E D didn't show. Blue showed up. His DJ was like, where are our turntables? Wow. There wasn't any turntables. Like, so they just plugged in like a computer, and she just ran tracks off of it, and he spit, but he obviously wasn't feeling it. He was super late, too. He was like, dude, we all, like, the six people that are here, we came to see you. <laughs> Go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, anyway, but I've heard good things. Like, I saw Mickey did a big post. Like, I've heard terrible things about working with him, and I... Didn't have a single problem. So. Yeah, that he did post that, and uh, my buddy Alfred Banks yeah. uh, commented on that and was like, that's good to know because uh, I think uh, Alfred may end up doing a run with Mickey Fax and Blue here soon. Hell yeah, that'd be, that'd be and, tight. And Alfred's the guy that uh, the epitome and I brought up here in November, but then he, he books independently, but he has management, and he's on the same management as Tank and the Bangers and Big Freedom. And then it was like – Oh, we just had um – the Suffer's here, too. Same management as well. Yeah. Soul yep. Band from Houston. Yep. So it's a, it's a lot a lot going on. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So going off of all that, what is your favorite rap lyric? Oh, man. I don't even know if I can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I, always, um, I always have a have a tough time. Like, I remember somebody wow. posted on Facebook. They did, like, a they had somebody's face, like, all, all stanky looking on it and said... Uh, Name a rap lyric that made your face do that. It's like, oh, shit. Uh, and then you have to like try to sit there and like, <laughs> go through everything, and you're like, I don't know. The one that comes to mind, honestly, I, I don't know if I can say this is my favorite lyric, but it's the one that really comes to mind a lot when I'm talking about like ridiculous verses um, is, uh, ironically, from a source you wouldn't expect to probably, it's um, Drake when he guest-versed on the Games 100, because um, at that that was in the middle of all the people realizing that Drake has writers and all this stuff. And the thing I do appreciate about Drake is after he went pop, every so often he would guest feature on somebody. He would drop a guest verse on somebody's track 
and just remind people that he's still actually poetic has crazy poets poetic justice, justice is a good one he has a good really great verse on it just to remind people he has pin game you yeah. know still and he's like yeah I guess if, if he wrote it <laughs> if I, he wrote it <laughs> the only reason the only reason i don't doubt that he wrote these some these things where he's like okay i'm gonna show you i can still be on the hip-hop thing real quick and i'm gonna go back to my pop thing is because he was writing for everybody before he was in the position to have people writing for him and uh i i still from the old drake like mixtape days i still like i trust his pen every so often this is one of those instances and it's not like mind-blowing or anything it's just really savage this this that his whole verse so he did the hook for the song and then he comes in here and he sounds like he doesn't even care on the track right and he says um how did he get it he was like i would have all of your uh fans if i hadn't gone pop and it stayed on some conscious shit and like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. And yeah. then he said, I would have so many friends if I didn't have money, success, and accomplishments. I'm in the club whenever they play the competition, if they even play the competition, and I see the response it gets. Yeah. Uh, I'm skipping lyrics. But yeah. It's like, nobody's it's even. Close up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, nobody's even hearing it on top of the pyramid. And he says, like, my circle's gotten so small, that's a period. But he just, like, savages that verse without really trying. Nothing super profound. Just really savage when you actually listen to what he's saying. And he doesn't sound like he's trying at all. Uh, I just always thought that was ridiculous. Because he's like, yeah, I, I, I did the hook for this song. And it takes me back to um, when he was still kind of on Rapidy Rap Drake. And he did that, like, uh 5 a.m. in Toronto thing, and he said, mm -hmm. I give these people the hook, a verse, and even a look. Now everybody sounds like Drake featuring Drake, uh, which is also kind of a savage bar. Yeah. Um, but that's, uh, there's like obviously a lot better things, but that's the, that's the one that, that comes to that the front of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> like at this particular moment. Do you have a favorite beat that, like, you're, if somebody's like, hey, um, will you freestyle real quick? You're like, yeah, but play this. <laughs> <laughs> or something uh, like that like just when a beat when you hear it you're just you're i just really love um actually uh the three kings beat from rick ross's god forgives i don't okay that has um that has jay-z dr dre and rick ross on it yep that beat i think is really outrageous that whole album justice league destroyed the production on the album I've never been a huge Rick Ross fan. The one time I I like can list off all of Rick Ross's lyrics in something is uh, in Red Dress by Kanye West. Mm. <laughs> I absolutely um, I absolutely am not a Rick Ross fan. Yeah. Um, but I do I do like his ear for production. The other one I'd say actually I have to cancel that and say uh, the um, all of the lights instrumental. It's probably Ooh, my, yeah, that's really good. That might be my favorite beat. Ever. That's a really good beat. Yeah, it's kind of different, too, because yeah. the chord progression uh, carries, you know, it's an emotionally moving uh, kind of uh, minor one and major six sort of joint overall. But the way it with the horn, the horn licks drive it. But like the way it's set up is still kind of spread out and open. Yeah. Um, and then the, the drums are different from what would be in a lot of hip hop things. And like there's just so much. It's like a drum line kind of. It's, yeah. It's so epic. It's a really epic beat. That's probably my favorite beat ever. Cool. Uh, okay. So, going off what we were talking about before, because I said uh, I'm super pulled into jazz and, and those kind of things. So, I think my answer for favorite rap lyric and favorite beat are the same song, mm -hmm. actually. Uh, 
and I had to pull it up because I didn't want to fuck it up. So because we were just talking about this, it's blue. Uh-huh. Uh, amnesia. That's a fire. Okay. Yeah, the beat's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so the lines that get me are the end of the first verse. Patience grown thin, homesick, and haven't been home since. Fuck a rapper. I'm an actor in a film called Leave Me the Fuck Alone Till I Find a Real Job. Busting chrome grills off at the soft-hearted break beats bouncing with 808s and gray ink. Blue heart, red skies. True art died in the heart of my mind. Keep trying to fulfill this blank script of realness, even if it kills this poet inside. That shit is so crazy. That's like, out, yeah, it's outrageous. <laughs> like, that is so ridiculous. I gotta go back and listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I gotta go back and listen to that. That shit is no. just like so insane. He doesn't rap like that really anymore, uh, which, I, which I, I don't love, but um, that's, that's kind of stuff. And other stuff would just be like little punchline stuff that Kanye would do, like couldn't afford a car, so she named her daughter Alexis, those kind of things. Yeah. Mayonnaise colored bins, I push miracle whips, like that kind of hilarious, like little yeah. punchliney things. But like that one, just like, I don't know, that one is like, that dude is just something else. I wish and he still rapped like that all the time. But that's, there's so many people that fall into that cat, uh, the category of, I wish they still rapped like this. I, I'm really bad at um, being able to call on lyrics. Even like even I remember talking about how dope Black Thought was, and somebody was like, "Name a Black Thought lyric," and I was like, "Ah oh, man." <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I try to do. I would try to do it off of the Dear God, mm-hmm. the one that where they sampled the um, Monsters of Folk. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, even that's that's difficult to do because you just try to sit there and like try to break it down. But it's it's not just the one lyric; it's also like just the whole thing as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm probably bad at that mostly from like writing and and like trying to remember my stuff and I write all the time and as as I progress as a writer it's like my memory of other people's lyrics seems to deteriorate unless I actually work on a song. <laughs> it's interesting how yeah. that works, um, at least in my head. Yeah. But anyway, uh, now I know both of us are uh, huge fans of uh, Saba, and both of us had Care for Me as our favorite albums of last year. Yep. Is there anybody else that's newer under the radar that uh, maybe people need to check out? Definitely Samus. I always sing Samus' yes, praises. Samus. Oh, my God. One of the, like, live show, because I went to that show at Riot Room. Mm-hmm. She freaking, she made me, like, super emotional. And not always, hip-hop doesn't always do that. Sometimes it just gets you, you know, popping. But Kendrick Lamar's You and when Samus was just, like, basically crying while she was rapping. Yeah fucking killed me and the thing with her that's so outrageous is she would have blown up already if she weren't finishing her phd she's kind of put a lot of things on she's still rapping she's got some tour dates and stuff but she's really finishing her phd at cornell and um at cornell at cornell yep so you've got a a woman who is (laughs) you've got a a a, a, a black woman from an african immigrant family who's gorgeous and brilliant yes and she has an Ivy League education and it has been making noise in hip hop while finishing a PhD at an Ivy League institution and she's working on her dissertation right now trying to finish it. And I guarantee you and in the middle of this, right, she does like a title interview about women in music that like I forget who who sponsored it, but it was huge that when it was everywhere and everybody's kind of watching her. But she she's definitely a person I'd say to watch. As far as I don't know, it's necessarily about blowing up. I've been listening to John Wayne for a while out of L.A., and uh, I'd say me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go listen to Dish. Um, 
there's a lot of stuff that I think is about to move. Uh, really, the entire NPC collective, to be honest with you, it it's gone from um, it being kind of you know two people at the top to like everybody who's in it is is really active and doing stuff. So yeah, let's talk about that. What is what is the NPC collective? NPC collective stands for Nerdy People of Color. It's kind of a double entendre in a sense. You know, it's like nerdy people of color, but non playable character. Non playable character, which people of color have been in a lot of spaces for a long time, and nerd nerd and geek spaces are not excluded from that. And so it's kind of like flipping the non player character on its head, um, which I know we're going to get to this, but uh, that's one of the things that people are excited about with Apex Legends. There hasn't been a massive uh, game like that with like an open platform, like shooter sort of joint. Uh, with less people of color like that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and people are excited about it. Well, that's a sidebar. <laughs> the first two characters I played were people of color. Yeah. Um, and I, I still have to download that game. Yeah. But basically, we exist to um, bring awareness and rep- to representation issues for marginalized groups and they're in geek spaces, um, which are gate-kept heavily, but mostly by um, white male nerds, um, and sometimes you love a space so much you fight really hard to protect it because you were bullied, and I think that's kind of what's happened here. And we've kind of broken through in a lot of those. And it's cool to see, you know, play. I play at like the biggest conventions for anime and video games in the country, and um, they've gotten way more colorful over the last couple of years. And that's not entirely because of us, but I do know that low key, there's a lot of it that's that's had to do with us. And part of that is is some of the star power in the collective. So Mega Ran is is the biggest guy in nerdcore right now. Yeah. Um And uh, he's actually in, in hip hop, which is different from a lot of nerdcore artists because he's legitimately recognized as a as a as a strong independent hip hop presence. Yeah. But he's also a gigantic presence in nerdcore. Xavier Woods, who's a WWE superstar in the New Day tag team group. Yep. Um, he and Rand kind of had the idea for the collective, and then they pulled a bunch of us in, like Samus, like Richie Branson, who um, actually produced Homegirl by Bone out of Texas. Okay. And Bone got signed to L.A. Reid. He was kind of a one-hit wonder. Uh, Richie's manager actually like uh, signed the publishing deal and didn't include him in it, ran off with the money. Uh. So Richie was in the label system <laughs> doing production. Yeah, it sucks. I hate when people in the music industry – Take advantage of other people because it is, we all love this shit and that's why we do it. And so when somebody just gets greedy and finds a way to be able to take the money either that you earned or that is rightfully yours away from you, it's like, ah, man, that fucking kills me. Like whenever I would say, whenever I was doing management or I was an agent for a while, like people would be like, oh, agent, oh, manager. I'm like, but... (laughs) Like I'm not taking anything. Like I'm taking so little. Like I'm yeah. not, like I'm not making anything. Like I'm here to help you do better. Like I have a passion for helping you out. Yeah, which is how it should be. He got screwed. Uh, he's currently. If I'm, I'm talking about just what everybody's doing, you know, he's currently. Uh, I think this the head of social media design for Bleach Report. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and that happened because he, he I love Bleach Report. Bleach Report's awesome. <laughs> and a lot it. of the a lot of the memes that you've probably seen either him him or his team created. Hell yeah. Um but that's a situation where he can tour when he needs to tour, he can work from anywhere, uh, as long as he covers the things he needs to cover. And that came about by him fo- crowdfunding like eighteen grand for a, an album a studio album, and then finding out he had thyroid cancer, getting <sighs> surgery on his throat, he couldn't rap, so he and he codes, so he was making all this viral content. 
and they picked him up from that. Um, so, like, as an influencer, he's massive, right? So, Jen Locke, the anime with Michael B. Jordan voicing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Richie that, did. Now, what, what is that on? It's uh, Rooster Teeth does Rooster it. Rooster Teeth. Okay, yep. that's right, that's right. And uh, Richie did a significant portion of the soundtrack for that anime. Um, he does the soundtrack for uh, Camp Camp. Um, he's heavy, right? Yeah. In, 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 in these spaces. You got guys like Creative Mindframe who's actively climbing. He's the only guy who's like really, really climbing the corporate ladder still, but he still raps, plays saxophone. Um, we do a lot of dates together. IQ, who just got Best Rapper in Orlando, over people in soliloquists of sound, which includes guys like Swam and like Da Vinci, who did a lot of stuff for Lauren Hill. And these guys are in Orlando, and, and IQ still got Best Rapper in Orlando. It's the first time anybody, nobody from soliloquists of sound got it in like a decade and a half or something. Quick sidebar. You just brought up Lauren Hill. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you feel about Robert Glasper? just like fucking putting her on blast about that's not your stuff that's the only reason what you have one album and the reason why is because you took a bunch of other people's music um from everything that i understand about her and obviously i don't know no but it seems like he's probably right yeah (laughs) it's like wait a minute like and now i think about it i'm like man but i love miseducation of lord hill and then i like he just gets on there he's like no a whole bunch of people worked on that made all the music for it and then she took it it was like when it happens a the, lot, the I think music it, business is just cold sometimes, man. It is, and and that it's not like that's not par for the course for anything that that makes for a lot of things that make a lot of noise. But I think the difference is like her attitude, yeah, which is notorious at this point. Yeah, not yeah. just with musicians, but how she treats her fans. Yeah, that that's the thing that really like turns me off is hearing yeah. these stories about people being so excited and she just doesn't come out and. Um, that's if a lot, you man. Are what you say, you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, a bunch of people in the collective Shabzilla in Seattle. It's just like people, everybody's like moving at this point. And I think that's, it's become a network. And then the core group of us, it's like really cool. Um, yeah, I was watching all the Instagram stories of you guys throwing axes. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. Oh man, it was funny. That was <laughs> funny too, because I don't, you know, you know I me, mean? I don't really talk a lot about what's really going on. I post like, some crazy stuff's happening, you know, yeah. or whatever. But um, I didn't, you know, I don't really like brag about who I hang out with or whatever. Yeah. And uh, Mega Rand tagged me in the video on Facebook. A bunch, yeah. And uh, he tagged you. He tagged you in all the Instagram stories, <laughs> all the Facebook things. And I was just like, oh my god, dish out here. And that was for Pax, right? You yeah, that was Pax, Pax South, and. Uh, I, and, you know, people were, like, in my inbox, like, bro, you know Xavier Woods. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I was like, I mean, yeah, man, I'm not, like, trying to put all the things out. That's like when I, I remember a couple of years ago, um, I don't do, like, selfies a lot. I'm going to start doing them now because I think it's, like, important for, like, for, like, the perception value. Social media. Um, but for you know for people to see that moves are being made and whatnot but i took a selfie with tech nine and uh chris calico a couple years ago and folks were my inbox like bro you know tech and chris i'm like bro they're like everywhere in kansas city it's not a big deal dude i will (laughs) tell you a hilarious story we were setting up for a benefit here that was a small benefit like we were expecting maybe 40 50 people there's a benefit we do a lot a lot of benefits and things like that Mm -hmm. i get this call on the phone i answer it it's from record record bar's phone i answer it and uh this guy's just like hey can i come by and check out the venue 
I was like, uh, I mean, we're getting set up for an event right now. He's like, that's cool. I just want to come check it out. I haven't seen the new one yet. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I guess, like, kind of confused, like, who's randomly calling the. So I hang out, I'm setting stuff up, trying to help out the people that are setting up for the charity and all that. And then tech walks in. I'm like, uh, hi. <laughs> How can I help you? And he's like, oh, I just called. I was like, okay, here we are. This is the venue that we're doing this. Like, <laughs> just like showing up right. He's like, oh, yeah, I need to get my guys to play in here. I'm like, that would be great. Let's do that. Still hasn't happened yet, but working on it. What he says. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember they're trying to get, I think they're trying to get Chris, uh, Chris Calico over here, but hasn't happened yet. But That'd be soon. cool. I think, I think it'd be cool here. Yeah, it would be, be cool. really cool. So this NPC collective and all this, something has been like a question that I've had and I can't, I can't explain it or I, I don't quite understand why, uh, but I thought maybe you could enlighten me because I know you're a big anime guy. Um, what is it about uh, black youth in particular that gravitates so hard to anime? I think a lot of that is the overcoming odds uh, overcoming the odds, hope against hope, especially for shonen anime, which is like the long form, you know, teenage boy with all the powers, yep. you know, overcoming all the things sort of thing, the yeah. shonen anime. Yeah. Um, those stories are so powerful to, I think, people coming out of marginalized spaces um, where everybody relates to it. I've heard like uh, Latinx guys talk about how, you know, they out of L.A., they they were the dirty kid, but they're like the, the gang members, like the, the cholos or whatever. um like thought or uh, found out they liked you know Dragon Ball Z or something, and then they were cool. And he and he the, this one comedian. In I think Dragon Ball Z was the one that kind of broke out and everybody kind of started liking. Yeah, but some of the other ones, people were like, "What?" Yeah, because it's such a wide range. Yeah. I think the other thing too, the the difference that I recognize in um, heroes from Japanese anime a, animation um, that differs sharply from um, American stuff is. There's not a sharp line drawn between like the good guys are good and the bad guys are bad. Because if you know, you know, knowing what's happened in America, there are a lot of reasons that a lot of people are criminals. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's a lot of good people who, from either they're misinformed or they feel desperate or feel like they have no option, um, they commit crimes. Um, and and the thing that that really like pulled me in was. Um, something like Superman and Lex Luthor, right? They're starting to make these stories more complex now, but when it first came out, it was like, this guy's just bad. You don't know why. And yeah. I felt and I felt like that is the same brush that a lot of black people get painted with. Yeah. Especially if okay. you look at, you know, a kid. Uh, it's a big conversation now, right? All these white people are becoming multimillionaires off of marijuana, some little black kids doing years for a couple dime bags. And that's why they're trying they're trying to in some places they're getting it done where they're like taking off the the you're getting people out. That getting people out the sentences, yeah. and some. And yeah. I think uh, Washington's talking about reparations right now, which is awesome. But the, but the thing that's crazy is like the damage has already been done. They've already been in there. Like, what do you think they've been doing in there? They've been having to like, <laughs> they've been having to do some some probably not great things while they're in there because they're in there. Like, yeah. it's it's already like it's already kind of fucked them over because they're still going to have a tough time finding a job. Yeah, and like doing all those things because they're like, felons. Yeah, they can't exactly. Vote. You've already fucked them. Like it doesn't matter that you're going to be like, oh, and they're out. Great, like <laughs> cool. 
Maybe if they give him some money, you know, maybe if that happens. Yeah. But um, we'll see if that happens. But I, I think the the contrast with a lot of anime is, especially if you look at something like, they don't really do it as much with uh, Dragon Ball Z but or with the Dragon Ball franchise um, as they do with, like, Naruto and Bleach and whatnot. But the villains have backstories. Even with the Dragon Ball franchise, a lot of the people who were villains at one point um, – become important main characters especially vegeta vegeta's a lot a favorite character for a lot of people vegeta was destroying planets for fun you know yeah. <laughs> just, um, for, just just to get his rocks off man. but a lot of his backstory was that uh frieza killed his whole race yeah and um there aren't a lot of them left and so he initially came to take over take over the earth uh to find goku or kakarot and be like yo it's like this is your people, right? And this is what we're supposed to be doing. I don't care who's in the way of getting you back. You know, there aren't a lot of us left. And that's, like, really heavy when you think about it, even though yeah. there's a lot of crappiness to that, yeah. to, like, how he was doing it. Yeah. But then when they, when they, when they, you know, beat his ass or whatever, uh, eventually he comes around and, you know, like, he settles down and he starts fighting for the quote-unquote good guys. I think that's, like, that sort of general principle is why you see, like um, – I mean, I think the big thing, like you're asking, is black kids, but I think it's a lot of marginalized groups that kind of see things like that oh, yeah, in yeah, anime, yeah. and um, and uh, see that kind of powerful principle in Bleach. All the bad guys, bad guys, have these crazy backstories where you really understand how it happened, and there are very few people who are just evil. There's like yeah. one guy out of all the bad guys who are just evil, and everybody else who's quote unquote bad. There's like some circumstance that put them there. Yeah. And I think that's like that set of development. The only people who really did that in U.S. comics and cartoons is really like some of the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, and Stan Lee was kind of on an island with that for a while. Now it's more common. But yeah. For everybody I think that's a backstory that's, you know, they get you get it while they're why they're pissed off. Yeah. I think for the most part that uh, that covers a lot of bases. I obviously I, I don't think I'm in a place to definitively answer that question, but that's kind of what I see with it. Cool. My experience there. Yeah, I've just always been fascinated by it because, like, usually people are like, "Oh man, I'm watching this." It's, you know, usually black friends that are like, "Oh yeah, I'm watching, I'm rewatching Hunter Hunter or whatever right yeah. now, or, or what whatever the anime is." I've never been huge on anime. I liked the the Netflix Castlevania one that they did was really good. Um, Set new seasons out. I still have to watch it. Yeah, I haven't watched season two. I watched season one. I liked it. Uh, and you know, I liked Dragon Ball Z when I was a kid. I played the Dragon Ball Z card game actually, mm-hmm. so I got kind of deep into that for a little bit. Um, and then there was a one. I don't know if you classify it as an anime because it's like CGI, but it's like that same style. It's uh, uh, called Harlock the Space Pirate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy ass movie. I don't know. It was just like randomly like on Netflix. I was like, oh, what's this? I saw it. This is it. cool. <laughs> like this is actually really cool. But it's like it's very anime style. Dude, you should check out Knights of Sidonia if it's still on Netflix. That's the that's the Netflix produced one. Yeah, yeah. dude. It's like, oh man, it's it's wild, man. It's really wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I I I think I. I think I watched Animatrix too when I was younger. That was fire. Animatrix yeah. is fire. Yeah, there's oh, a lot man. of, and I I loved the, uh, like the huge anime sequence in like Kill Bill and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. that that like just made that movie for me. Like yeah. just all of a sudden, oh now it's an anime movie for, I don't know, it's like 15, 20 minutes or something like that. The other thing actually that I didn't think about from a hip hop standpoint, there's a piece of anime that's really hip hop in that you're gonna talk your shit whether you get beat or not. Uh, 
before a fight in oh, yeah. any anime. That's super hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, and, and like I, Afro Samurai, I watched all that. Yeah. Uh, that, that stuff's great. Also, like RZA being a part of it, like Samuel, yeah. all, all that brought me into that for sure. Uh, when we get to announcements, I have something on something similar to that, but we'll, we'll Very I'll tight. Hold that thought. Cool. I'll hold that Can't thought. wait to get to there. Uh, I'm going to write down announcements so I don't forget. All right. So. I know that you've been working very hard on music and you have not been playing very many games, but let's talk games a little bit. All right. So because you brought it up earlier, I want to get into it. Apex Legends, huge game right now. It's free. If you don't have it downloaded, you probably should. People that don't like Battle Royale seem to be enjoying it very much. But you brought up that um, two of the characters out of the, I want to say, eight characters that are even in the game are people of color. And there's Mm -hmm. actually... One more too. There's the uh, the Simone character as well. Yeah, I actually don't know. I just know like from from like a little bit of gameplay that I've seen and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know the numbers or who who yet. I'm probably gonna download it like tonight. Actually, <laughs> it's free, man. It's good. It's really fun. Uh, it's a good game. Yeah. I enjoy. I can't believe that. <clears throat> like, I can believe I like it because it's uh, from the people that made Titanfall, and Titanfall Two was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like that, but you know, it's different. But it's really, really good. Uh, I think it's important that they are doing, um, are putting people of color in the spotlight. You know, like I, I love that people are talking about that. I don't want people to like focus on that as like the main point. I remember um, there was that game. I want to say it's Kingdom Come or something, and mm-hmm. it takes place in Norway or somewhere like that in the 16th century. And they're like, well, there's no black people in this game. It's like, well, okay, yes, <laughs> but at that time, there wouldn't have been in that space. It'd yeah, be, it'd be very rare for you to to like. It just when people focus on the wrong, like that's not the story that's being told here. You know, it's yeah. not like somebody's trying to be racist about it or anything. They're just the story that they're trying to tell doesn't have that that piece in it. I just well, yeah. I think um, there's always there's always people who are a little over overzealous. Mad, about, mad at the Witcher about it. I'm like, it's Poland. It's Poland in <laughs> in a in the olden times in a fantasy world. Like, there's not gonna be there's it's not gonna be like that. I don't know. The Witcher Three weird. might be my favorite game ever. By it's the way, it's crazy. Um, I'm actually replaying crazy. it right now, and then I'm gonna get the expansions because I still haven't done it. I was gonna um, ask you what your favorite game was. Uh, it might be my <laughs> it might be my favorite game of all time. Um, it's really, really it's good. so good, and it, it's even replaying it, it was it was amazing. It's amazing to me how just good it is For, across the board. I think. Um, I think like the overzealous people are always important because conversations don't get pu- pushed forward without them because people yeah. get there's like people get annoyed because they feel like something's too extra. Yeah. But then you have people who are like, yeah, but there is a, this point in here. We should talk about this. The yeah. cool thing about the video game industry right now is that I think they've done a better job than any other media group of actually being inclusive gradually mm-hmm. where you have like these games like like uh, Dishonored 2, Fire, Female yeah. Lead, uh yeah. Um, one of the primary like uh, anchor characters is a black woman, like yep. this, um, and uh, that's the only one I can think of right now. But you've got a few games that were massive that really kind of took advantage of that. Even in in The Witcher Three, thinking about like just like how powerful Siri is, and she's yeah. like the crux of the story, and she's a woman. Um, like you play as Geralt, but you're really not the main part of the story. No, 
you're trying to find things and how strong the women are in that in that particular in that particular uh game um it's but it is it is it is cool i'm glad it's like a conversation i do hope that like games are still good like i so uh ps4 had a sale and Mm -hmm. Middle Earth Shadow of War was on sale for like twelve dollars. Yeah, and I was like, "Yo!" and immediately got it. Yeah, and um, I'm playing it, and uh, one of the guys in Minas Tirithor, uh, I always say that wrong, but uh, Miras Tithel, Minas Tithel, um, he's a general and he's like black, and I was like, "Yo, this is dope," but this is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he's like a central dude to this yeah. story, and that game also is fire. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know Shadow uh, Shadow of War and for twelve bucks. It's like, or, do it. Yeah, I mean, it, I think the sale ended on February fifth, but yeah. Shadow of Mortar was a game of the year yeah. thing in twenty fourteen or whatever. So I'm not surprised it it's good, but it's like, I mean, it's really good. I think games as a whole are doing a better job of talking about everything. Like a game like Celeste talked about um, is a, a retro looking platformer, but then talks about um, mental health in an incredible yeah. way. Yeah. Like Sinua Sacrifice did that Hellblade, Sinua Sacrifice, which is a female lead. Both, both of those are female leads. There's just a, they're doing a lot there. And there's a lot of really incredible storytelling in there that you get to have a part in rather than just watching somebody's story. Mm-hmm. I think Hollywood's getting better at it too. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I think there's more old money in Hollywood that is still causing some problems. Yeah. There's way less old money in gaming because gaming isn't something that there would be old money attached right. to. And, and, and something that I want to say, and I'm probably going to get ripped apart for this, but uh, I think Black Panther is a good movie. I don't think it's an, like an Oscar movie. I think, like, I think it's fine, but I liked, I liked Infinity War more. I thought that was a more impactful story. The storytelling like, made me cry, like nearly cry at the end of the movie. I'm like, I shouldn't be almost crying in this, in this Marvel movie. But like, I felt like the CGI at the end of uh, Black Panther sort of ruined that fight for me. And then the like, <laughs> super important part that he says at the end, like this, like bury me in the ocean. Yeah. With my ancestors. Yeah. Like I kind of like didn't hit with the same force that I thought it should have when there was just a 20 minute CGI fight scene and they're still wearing like, you can still sort of see the CGI cut off of their, where their suits are. And like, I just thought that was really weird. I actually didn't like the way Michael B. Jordan delivered that. I, yeah. there are people, I, I thought his performance overall was pretty stellar. Yeah. Um, like I like the scene where he's like, he's like talking about the mask in the case. Yeah. And he's like, he's, he says something like, are you sure these weren't stolen? Or like, la da da. And he's like, no, I really, I, I like that. Though. Cause there are people that. who argue that he was like, he's felt disconnected. And I'm like, no, everybody was African. He was the only American black guy. That's why he sounded dis- yeah. different. But, um, I think, I think for its, for its social impact, it absolutely should be nominated for something. Uh, but when you nominate it for best film and you don't nominate it for best director and you don't not like, it's, I'm just confused by the whole, I'm confused by the whole thing whole situation i completely agree with you i thought but the oscars you're like totally fucked this year yeah anyway, so it's like <laughs> i don't know what's going on i actually and i still have to catch up with some of those yeah. movies but i agree with you i thought uh i think infinity war is a better film yeah overall i thought coogler did a phenomenal job with black panther it's like the mo- the biggest budget militant film i've ever seen like with the undertone undertones yeah. and themes and stuff um i think it's really impressive and there's a lot that i really like about it um but 
And I, I was surprised it was the Best Picture nom. I mean, yeah. the social implications are historic, right? Oh, yeah, Obviously. for sure. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I, generally I agree with you there. I kind of, like, Infinity War did so much with so many pieces. It had to tie everything together, and you thought it wouldn't. Like, you had faith because the Marvel movies had been so good. But, like, I remember when they started in you're thinking about how this is all supposed to tie in together at the end. You're like, no fucking way. They did such a good job, yeah. man. <laughs> and, and then I, I mean, some of the, some of the acting, I just was phenomenal. Yeah. And you uh, don't see the ending, which I won't spoil if no one's seen it, but if you haven't seen it by the, now, what the hell, but the ending is like, it's just so impactful and you don't see it coming. Dude. I, I try to <laughs> warn people cause I, I actually, my, my uh, former stepfather yeah. had those comics and I, I read them without his knowledge. I like dug it too. It's okay. And, and like, um, it's not exactly like the comics. They switched some characters in and out and yeah. whatnot, but like it was, it was wild. Like they were like, Oh man, I don't know how they're supposed to come out of this in the movie theater. And I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, see, I would have seen like if they would have nominated that for for something, I'd have been like, oh yeah, absolutely, the movie's amazing. But uh, now the new end game's coming out in the uh, in the near future, so that should be that should be really interesting. I I, I like that uh, comic book movies are not just comic book movies anymore. They're they're phenomenon. Yeah, and I, I guess the thing the, the biggest thing from what you said here that I that I I'm thinking about now is I'm tired of of Ryan Coogler getting snubbed because Fruitvale Station Fruitvale really, Station's great really should have gotten so much more Academy. His love. next the next the he's uh well I guess he's producing so I don't know if he'd get a. I don't. Do they have producer nominations? But they're doing that. Uh, they're doing that Fred Hampton movie. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I actually heard about that. So that'll that should probably get a lot of that. Man, but I'm 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 speaking of of these type of movies. I'm more looking forward to us than like anything. Oh, dude, no, us looks same. insane. It looks <laughs> amazing. I love the memes that came out with like uh, I forget his name, the guy that played in Baku and Lupita. Yeah, uh, together about how like Baku was winning that fight, and then suddenly yeah, he had, yeah. There are some really yeah. awesome memes, yeah. but I, I can't wait to see that movie. I have a buddy who's rising in the film world right now who just did a a, a documentary on black characters in horror movies called A Horror Noir. That's oh, making cool. a lot of noise. If you want to look into something, yeah. Uh, and what's it called? Uh, horror Noir. I mean, just with the representation thing, you know, I, I think. This what's happening right now is really cool. Well, now speaking of representation, speaking of horror, like one of the most iconic horror movies ever, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. The main character, yeah, is a black character. He and like I don't know where that the 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 stereotype came from. Maybe it was in the eighties or seventies or eighties where it like started being like, oh, well, if the black guy's in, he's gonna die first. That like one of the first horror movies I ever saw. The black guy's alive for the entire movie. Yeah, I think that was the eighties. Because they'd have, they'd have, I think part of that it speaks to some of the issues that Hollywood's dealing with right now. Yep. <laughs> and how people got cast, but. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that would, yeah, that'd be 80s so. style. Um, okay, so anyway, getting, getting away from movies, we were talking about games, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went off on a tangent there. But uh, what is your earliest gaming memory? Um, playing, um, I think, Sonic 2 and Columns. On Sega Genesis, I was five years old. One of my family friends, I uh, used to call him Mr. Jack. He's been dead a long time. Um, bought me a Sega Genesis, I think, or helped my mom buy it or something for my fifth birthday. And I don't know, I don't remember what year Sonic 2 came out. 
but I was relatively fresh in like 1995. Yeah, um, it would have had to have been. Um, so I had my first two games were that and Columns, which was like Sega's ripoff of Tetris. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> I I played those incessantly. Both of those um, definitely the earliest gaming memories. I think I think mine was probably. Uh, I remember my uncle still having an Atari. Wow. And just like me and my little cousin before we had anything else would like mess around and play Atari games. <laughs> and like, I don't remember any of them being very good. I remember there's one like sort of side scrolling, like you're a ship and you're shooting stuff. That was, that was okay. But like yeah. all I said, there's like asteroids and stuff like, which is fun fine. But uh, then it was like later on that we all got, you know, he got a super Nintendo and I got a game boy and those kind of things. I didn't have a console until I was probably like in junior high. I think I had a game boy. Yeah. I don't think a game boy counts as a console, but. It counts, but it's not not <laughs> like a console console. Um, do you remember the first game that you ever beat? Who first game that I ever beat? Um, I think if you exclude fighting games, it was a while before that happened because I didn't have the focus to. Well, it took me a while to actually get into um, long form games and actually have the patience to solve the puzzles and stuff. Right. Um, because I loved Ocarina of Time, and I didn't beat it for a while. I'd play it, play it. I think I got stuck at the Forest Temple, and then I moved on to something else. Uh, well, in that in that light, like the first game I ever beat was Legends of Zelda: Link's Awakening. Link's so that was uh, the first one that I was like, "Man, that was so cool! Like I did it! Like it took forever." <laughs> thank you for for saying <laughs> saying that because I, I love that game. Yeah. I think the first game I actually ever beat was Golden Sun on the Game Boy Advance. And uh, it was a, an RPG role-playing game based on um, these guys who do a mix of magic and alchemy. Okay. And they those games were really cool. I think Camelot developed them, and I don't even know, I don't even know if Camelot's still a company. Um, Golden Sun and Golden Sun Two, they were phenomenal games, man. And then uh, you know they kind of I really thought that was like going to be the next great franchise because it was so good. It really highlighted uh, game what level of graphics could happen on a handheld uh, console because like before that game there weren't a lot of games that really took advantage of the 3d capabilities and whatnot so i beat that game i think that was in middle school yeah so i because i didn't beat i didn't actually beat any non-fighting games until middle school so i beat golden sun that was incredible um i think fighting games count well like your first go through of like Street Fighter, and you get all the way through, you're like, yeah! Street Fighter. <laughs> um, I don't remember whether it was Mortal Kombat 2 or Street Fighter 2 that came first, but I had both of them, and I beat both of them around the same time. Um, I only those... beat it with Guile, and then I remember uh, <laughs> like playing against somebody and just getting torched, and I was like, oh, nope, I'm really bad at fighting games. I was just playing the computer, and I was okay. <laughs> I'm not super great at them either, man. Um, my, my buddy IQ is... Uh, he got second place overall at Pac South Street Fighter Two tournament. Damn! And people, people, uh, people swear because people get really cocky, and he just got. I, I, it's so funny to watch him go crush somebody's hopes and dreams because yeah. he's so nice. And then he's like, "Hey, man, let me uh, jump in here after this guy. You know, do to lose it, he'll just destroy these people." And you, you know, cartoon, don't you? Uh, the, he's a bartender at Buzzard. Yes. Yep, yep. So he plays Street Fighter, the new one. Street Fighter Five. Yep. Uh, and he just went to Evo, and uh, <laughs> he didn't place like super high or anything. But he got he got he got pretty far, and like he's always like being like, "Hey Chris, why don't you play me in Street Fighter?" I'm like, "No, hell nope. no." <laughs> like, <laughs> bet, me, bet you five dollars. I'm like, "No, 
Yeah, I'm not great at it just because I don't do it a lot, you yeah. know. And there's such a fast, you know, quick strategy, yeah. like quick thinking thing to this. Well, speaking of anime, before Jump Force just came out. Oh man, did you um, did you get your hands on that at all at PAX? Did did you get to play anything when you were at PAX? Yes, so uh, I played Jump Force at PAX West and PAX South because I I played it at PAX West and I didn't have a lot of time and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god! And I know there was a game that Shonen Jump did before that, but it wasn't as like comprehensive. Yeah, this is like this feels like. Marvel versus Capcom for Shonen Jump characters, and yeah. the worlds are immense, and they're gorgeous, and they're detailed. And the, and for the people who don't know, Jump Force is like a, a crazy mix of a bunch of different anime, but it's a fighting game, so they're all fighting each other. Dude, that game's fire. Yeah. I, I'm on like a tight budget right now, or I'd have it yeah. right now. Um, <laughs> I, and, oh, man. Um, I did get to game some. I did get to game some in both PAXs. I really uh, gamed a decent amount at PAX South because I finally took advantage of the fact that if you're a, a musical guest or a special guest, they open the expo hall an hour early. And so you can. Oh, cool. And so if the companies decide to actually field their, uh, to field their people, then you can go play some games. So I, I, I was the first time I ever disciplined myself to wake up after raging the night before and go play games early before yeah. everybody gets there. Nice. Um, so you played Jump Force. What else? Did you play anything else that was that caught your eye? Or? Yeah. So the one thing that really has just like stuck in my soul, um, I played at PAX West. Uh, I, fi- I I kept getting the cap line on it, you know, um, but I finally, the last day of PAX West, I uh, was able to get in there and play it. It's called Gris. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gorgeous. And it's like this girl, she's crying. It looks like watercolors in a video game, except yeah. it's 3D. Yeah. It's from the Spanish company. Um, the lady who was demoing the game at PAX, like thick Spanish accent. Um, and um, it's kind of platformer, but it feels like a, a little bit like it's like sh- a little Shadow of the Colossus slash Ico-y. Yeah. But uh, not the same, but definitely like it's not necessarily violent but you're you're getting chased by things and it's just beautiful man and I, it just stuck with me i was watching the demo i feel like i just was enraptured watching the demo outside of the line when i first saw it yeah. just like i've heard really good things about that that came up uh because it came up it came out like right at the end of the year so people kind of missed it but yeah or either it was beginning of the year or end of the year one of the two things uh Maybe in January. So I gotta check that out. I think because I think it, it, I think it might be on Switch or something. Um, I think it's on Switch. And uh, so that was really what stuck with me. I did play Resident Evil two. Um, finally, because those lines are always hours long, and I never feel like dealing with that. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, went in an hour early. And <laughs> Resident Evil two, what I played was fire. I played Devil May Cry five. Finally, that was fire. Um, uh, gosh, I played. Um, Gosh, what's the name of that game? There, I, I, I'm blanking on this game. It's like a kind of dungeony RPG thing where there's beasts and stuff. I can't think of it. I have a shirt from it. I won stuff. Like in a, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have the shirt. Um, yeah, because you got to get that swag, man. Yeah, I played. I played a few things though. Um, between the two, that I mean, it was a good experience. A lot of those are networking things. Uh, there's a there's a partnership that I can't really say I got talk about publicly yet, but there's a partnership we thought we were going to land for shows that we're doing that we can talk about that I can talk about. And, um, I spent a lot of time in the expo halls with, um, IQ who, uh, this thing that will 
probably talk about is kind of his brainchild going and talking about potential partnerships and sponsorships for the thing that we're doing with this uh, partner that I can't name yet, but you can probably guess after you hear what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> um, Mystery. And that, so PAX, the PAX is for the last few years. When I first went, I was all excited and did all the things. And, and my girlfriend, we had just started dating, and she was still in California, and she came. And uh, that's how I got Dishonored, because we did the Dishonored display. Um, oh, cool. But uh, the last few, as things have grown, a lot of these conventions have really become business trips. And it's actually difficult to game at them, because yeah. they're like meetings and shows and parties to go to the network. And um, it's, it's entirely turned into, like, us targeting thing which is south by southwest has become like that when i first went to south by southwest it's like i'm gonna play all the shows and then it was like oh look at all these private parties i can get into with my wristband so it's like i'm gonna go to all the parties and network. network and now it's like oh i really really can network and now so now it's like i don't even really care about performing for real for real i just want to get the credentials and get and be in the rooms yeah um so it's kind of like that at something like a pax now what um Shit, I just forgot what I was going to ask you. Oh, so let's get into your let's get into your uh, announcements here. So you have, I saw that uh, the Fantastics. You play uh, you play trombone in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys just announced you're going to be playing with Cool and the Gang. Yep. When is that? August thirtieth at Crossroads. Ooh, that'll so, be that'll be great. So <laughs> stoked for it. Yeah. Um, what else you got for me? Brass and Bougie is headlining at the Moon Jazz Festival. Nice. Um, that's Labor Day weekend. I actually got to figure out how this is going to work because when the Cool and the Gang thing happened, I was working on a tour with Shubzilla and Mega Ran on the West Coast, and either into or out of PAX because there are these PAX after parties and PAX West that we play every year. Um, but we're talking to another major con on the opposite side of the country that I can't name publicly because it's not uh, set in stone yet. Um, and if that happens, I don't know how we're going to pull that off because we'll be in, we'll have to divide and conquer. Yep. Um, so there's that. The NPC Collective is main eventing MomoCon, which is the largest anime convention in the Southeast, um, with Ido Bushido, which is a rap trio uh, most noted for their work with the late New Jabez out of Japan, who uh, birthed a thing called New Jazz that eventually became chill hop and, in a sense, lo-fi hip-hop. Cool. Um, we're doing that. Uh, Partially because it's the 50th anniversary of Samurai Champloo, which is an iconic anime. Was that, that was the guy that played here. Uh, Shingo too did this. Theme, did Shingo this, too. He did the Thank theme you. song for Samurai Champloo. Yeah. He is also on the show. Yeah. Uh, at Momocon, and um, basically because it's the 50th anniversary, it's also Funimation's 25th anniversary, and Samurai Champloo is their property. Um, there's a lot that there's so a lot of stuff just kind of came together there, and. Um, Nujabez was the primary contributor to that soundtrack, and he's a legend in a lot of senses, even outside of anime world. He's kind of like known as the Japanese Dilla. Um, so we're we're doing Momocon's the first one, but we're doing a run of of shows at these massive conventions with these MCs who uh, worked with Nujabez, and um, it's taken us from. We've already been able to do cool events at a lot of these conventions, but like we're main eventing them. Yeah. Like it's like the marquee thing for these cons, um, and that's really exciting. It's a huge look a for IQ because this is his brainchild and he was able to pull a lot of strings to make it happen. For for me, you know personally and for the collective, it's it's massive, uh, just f- across the board. Um, so we're we're main eventing uh, Momoka. We're main eventing Otakon, which is the largest 
convention on the East Coast. We played that last year, and that's how we got. We, we opened the opening ceremony last year for that. All the industry guys have to be at the opening ceremony. Uh, the heads of Momocom booked us on the spot from seeing us. But oh, like, great. If you th- but there were people for who like worked with Hayao Miyazaki, like his producers were there, and like uh, Nebuo Uematsu's orchestra performed, and like those people were there, and so the, all these like ridiculous people with all this iconic stuff behind the names like Sami Rap. That's <laughs> and, awesome. And um, so I spent the rest of that weekend partying with people, like partying with executives from Aniplex, who's brought a lot of stuff to the U.S. and from Funimation, who obviously brought a lot of stuff to the yeah. U.S. and Studio Ghibli and um, all those things are starting to really come together right now. Um, And I think it's going to be an interesting couple of years. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. Is there a place where we can follow uh, NPC Collective? Yeah. Do they have like a Facebook page or something like that? Yep. At or slash NPC Collective for uh, everything. I think um, primarily website, NPCCollective.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all at or slash NPC Collective. Awesome. Uh, And where can we follow you, Kadesh? At or slash Kadesh Flow on literally everything. I've even got a Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, with that, man, uh, it was great having you on. Uh, we'll definitely be talking soon. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Peace.